Hi everyone and welcome to the Imprint podcast. Today we're here with Nav. Hey Nav, how you doing? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and who you are? Sure. Um, so I'm Nav. I'm a London-based writer and creative consultant specialising in sneakers and streetwear from the female perspective. That's amazing. Um, so how did you land that position and role? I mean, first off, that's kind of a position that I've made up for myself. So I guess in terms of that, it's pretty easy. But um, I guess in terms of a career path, it's it was never like a really straight or obvious path. I guess it isn't for most people anyway. Um, in terms of writing, I'd always dabbled in writing as a teenager, shout out growing up alongside the advent of blogging. Um, but I kind of continued that while I was at uni. Um, after I graduated, I worked for, well, when I say worked, that's a loose term. I was never paid for this, but I, I wrote for a few small now defunct platforms about fashion. Um, you know, so it was always kind of a side hustle for me. Um, what really, I guess, kickstarted my career was when I moved to London a few years after graduating to join a company called Mastered. Don't know if you've heard of those guys, but they were basically um, in its purest form. It was like a digital platform that produced fashion courses in like photography, styling, art direction, and more all led by um, experts in the fashion industry. So I joined those guys as an editorial assistant. Um, and as is the nature with any sort of startup, I had to wear many hats, which was great for me at the time, but also like it really gave me a solid foundation of like various skills that I guess I didn't really realize until after I'd left. Um, so, you know, I'd had experience after leaving those guys in everything from interviewing on camera and video to production. You know, I managed shoots in Croatia, in New York, in Iceland, and, um, you know, I developed a lot of skills that, well, weren't really directly related to writing. have definitely come in useful across everything I've done since. Um, and so while I was there, I still wanted to focus on editorial writing. I did some writing at Mastered, but it was very content focused. So, you know, writing for education is very different to weaving a great story. Um, so I was kind of, I guess, freelancing at the time as well. Um, I freelanced a bit for Hype Bay and, you know, sent them a few stories. They were quite small at the time, at least in the UK. Uh, their offices were mostly in Hong Kong and New York. And so their presence was really focused on Hong Kong and also across the States. So they didn't really have, you know, many stories coming from this region. And as you know, there were a lot of stories in this region to be told. So um, I pitched those guys a few stories. Uh, I think it was about three months, you know, I'd been sending them stories back and forth. Um, and then they reached out and asked if I'd be interested in joining them full time, which as you can imagine, was very exciting to get that message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like I said, at the time, you know, they, they were a really small team. They didn't really exist here. Even the Hype Beast team actually, you know, was quite small here at the time in, in terms of, you know, who was in the office. Uh, so I, it was a great opportunity to really, I guess, build what this platform looked like from a European perspective. So I had a bit of, you know, free reign in developing what that looked like in terms of the kind of content we could cover and, you know, what's up and coming and happening both in the UK, but also in Europe across the streetwear and, and sneaker sectors for women, as well as contributing to the overall like global vision. Um, and I felt like it was just like the perfect place for me to really discover and hone my skills and interests, not just, you know, in fashion, 
but across other sort of areas of pop culture and stuff. Um, I'd always been interested in fashion, obviously I studied fashion, um, but not just, you know, high fashion. I've always been interested in fashion on a subcultural kind of basis as a form of self-expression and, you know, the way I like to dress and the brands I was most interested in personally really fit with, you know, the kind of brands that Hype Bay covered. So I just felt like it was kind of the perfect place, not just for, you know, me to work, but for me to develop more of, you know, more skills in what I was interested in talking about. Um, and it was great to be able to place, you know, the lens on, emerging brands and designers and what's happening in, in streetwear and sneaker culture from a female perspective, which, you know, continues to be a sector that's widely overlooked. Yeah. And I worked there for about three years before branching off on my own. So I still cover fashion in all its um, sort of aspects as a freelance writer and brand consultant, but I definitely have a particular focus on sneaker and streetwear realms for women, which is something I think I will forever continue to be passionate about. That, well, that's good for a start. <laughs> Continue <laughs> ongoing conversation. For me, it sounds like you kind of put the UK arm of Hype Bay on the map as from, you know, that constant letting, get, getting them to recognise that there is all this, you know, history and what's going on in the community. So my hat is off to you on that for sure. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you know, it's different, you know, with the sneaker culture and streetwear culture in, in Hong Kong is very different to what it is in New York. And, you know, they're both very different to what's happening in the UK. And since they didn't really have, you know, a point person in the UK, they didn't have that kind of on the ground sort of perspective of like what is cool and happening here. So, you know, it was a great opportunity for myself to do that, but also be able to, you know, spotlight who is around here doing cool stuff. Like what does our scene look like? And, you know, give a platform to the emerging designers and creatives that are, you know, rising up through the UK and, and Europe generally. Yeah, that, again, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I wanna ask you, what are your influences and experience that led you to the point of your career today? That's such a hard question. I feel like I get asked that question kind of a lot and I've always found it kind of hard to distill. It's, it's difficult to pinpoint exact events or like occasions that have kind of put me on this path or got me to where I am. Um, I guess in terms of my interest in sneakers, um, that has been prevalent since I was a kid. You can ask my mom if you need evidence. I'm sure she'd be happy to tell all. But um, you know, growing up as a kid in the 90s, you're so aware of and I guess consumed by brands. And I've always been fascinated by the power that brands hold, but also what wearing specific brands can indicate about a person in a way. Like I grew up in Glasgow and, you know, that entire city is completely built off of football culture and in turn that influences, you know, um, the sportswear and trainer culture that comes alongside it that's completely like embedded within Glaswegian culture. So I guess, you know, in some way, whether subconsciously or not, that was always in the back of my mind. Um, when I was about 15, I actually wanted to be a sports journalist, but that, you know, quickly subsided because my interest in fashion really overtook my interest in football. But um, I think it's more of a case that I was always interested and fascinated by subcultural movements and the sort of, you know, the signifiers of like, you know, what movement you're part of or, or you know, who your, who your tribe is. Um, and, you know, I guess how humans sort of, you know, adopt a brand or a product or a way of dressing as a way to, you know, find like-minded people. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you this. So growing <laughs> up in Glasgow, 
and then moving to London, do you see and feel that the environments and cultures change your perception slightly on how fashion is in your life today? I think so. Yeah, I think, you know, as much as Glasgow is a very diverse city in many ways, but I think, you know, moving to London, which is obviously a massive global melting pot, there's so many, there's so many more people, there's so many more looks, there's so many, there's just so many more movements, I guess, that, you know, come alongside a bigger space that has more people from you know, more places in it. So I think, you know, I definitely had, I felt like I had quite a broad outlook, um, you know, on especially in the sense of like fashion from that sort of perspective um growing up in Glasgow but then coming to London it was like a whole it was a whole nother scene it's just bigger everything's bigger here yeah okay <laughs> no I hear that <laughs> <laughs> I hear that okay so I want to refer back to your FFF that you shared with us earlier on in the year yeah. you mentioned the struggles you faced breaking into the industry can you tell us a little bit more about your journey yeah, um, absolutely. So I started uni in 2008, which was right off the back of a financial crisis, um, which is not great. Um, and I actually studied <laughs> studied fashion design initially. So I guess when I was making that decision to go to uni and what to study, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I don't know if a lot of us do know that at 17, you know, what, are, what do you want to do for the rest of your life is kind of a big question even now. Never mind when you're like 17. Um, I knew I wanted to do something in fashion in some way, but you know, I wasn't totally sure it was design. And to be totally honest, my school wasn't very helpful in giving me any advice or guidance into possible careers that you could have, you know, within fashion or, you know, just within art or anything creative. It was kind of like, you know, they had um, suggested that I go to study languages because I was pretty good at English and was getting like high marks in French and stuff. Um, so I think they kind of just look at you, you know, based off of a piece of paper and say, okay, you're, you're doing well in these things. So maybe go and do something to do with that. Um, and, you know, I had pretty good marks in art as well, but when you ask anything about like, well, what can I do that's creative? It just didn't feel like there was a lot of, you know, proactive insight coming your way. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's not great. I'm hoping that, you know, it's better for people now, but I just feel like my school wasn't really that well informed in like the possible career paths for like a more creative career. Um, so I kind of ended up joining a course that was one of the most broad I could find in fashion. So it was fashion design, but with the opportunity to later specialize in different sectors. So there was women's wear, men's wear, garment technology or communication. And it was that last one that really piqued my attention and where I felt like I had the strongest skills and like the most interest. Um, yeah, but to be honest, even in my final year of specializing in communication um, in what 2011, um, I still don't feel like we had like the greatest insi insight or resources even at uni. Um, this was a time, I guess, when digital media, although it existed, it was still in its very nascent stages in fashion. So it was still being shaped um, into, you know, the way it kind of exists now. So we didn't really get much insight um, or direction on what new fashion media looks like um, from from uni I guess I felt the approach in terms of like skills and career options was really focused on traditional fashion media rather than embracing the digital world so it was kind of hard to you know you get your degree but it's hard to then know like where do I go from here because they hadn't really set us up with you know knowing what the skills we developed could be useful for in terms of an actual career 
again, it's something I'm hoping has changed with like more recent fashion communication graduates, but you know, digital media is changing all the time that it's kind of hard to plan for what your career could look like in five years time. Yes, I, I definitely can agree with you on that. I remember <laughs> when I was at uni, my course actually changed several times where they actually removed modules. So the modules that I actually wow. wanted to do, they've removed and replaced it with stuff that I never have ever done in my entire career. <laughs> and I was just like, so now I've got to build a website. I, and it was Dreamweaver back then, like, what? Right. <laughs> so I'm just like, I, I, I've come to do film. Like, this is not, this is not what I want to do. But hey, we graduated, right? <laughs> That's it. Well, we graduated, and then it was kind of like, well, now what? <laughs> you nah. know, um, even after I left uni, you know, like I said, I'm sure they were as helpful as they could be, but they didn't really. There was still a lot to sort of be le learned, I guess, about the um, the digital landscape of fashion, and it, you know, from that kind of old guard of fashion professionals there was still a bit of like you know they didn't really trust fashion media in a digital form like they were very invested in you know print is the the only sort of form of like you know fashion communication that really matters so you know they there were a lot of attitudes that needed to be changed as well which wasn't helpful to us but um yeah I think that kind of traditional um, world of fashion has just been really slower to embrace um I guess digital media um so even yeah after leaving uni didn't know where to start looking for a job there was the financial crisis so there were less jobs anyway um on top of that you know this specific sector that I went into fashion journalism the jobs are notoriously hard to come by they're often not very well paid so as somebody who didn't live in London didn't know anyone in the industry it, it felt very difficult to break into because I literally didn't know where to start it wasn't like, you know, there was nobody I knew of that had done it before there. I didn't really feel like I had any connections where I could, you know, get my foot in the door. So I ended up going back home to Glasgow for a few years, um, you know, trying, applying for as many jobs as I could, trying to figure out what my next steps were. And, you know, I, to be honest, like the impact on my mental health wasn't great because, you know, I knew where I wanted to be and what I wanted to be doing, but I couldn't really match that up with the fact that I wasn't there, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely um, agree with you. And, but you are here where you are now and which you, you over, yeah. so that's, that's the best thing of all. And you're still going. <laughs> I know, start to pinch myself sometimes and like, God, can you imagine like if I told what like 19 year old me that this is what, my job in life is now like I could I would not believe it well self-made is the title that's that's what you gotta <laughs> remember Ding. <laughs> so do you believe at this point there is a strong female presence in the sneaker community not just locally but on a global level I do I think the thing is that you know women have always been an important part of sneaker culture but as is the case with you know any male dominated scene they just don't get the same spotlight or the same opportunities thanks to I guess you know things like social media that's changing and you know women are able to not just put the narrative on you know themselves as you know sneaker fans or experts or collectors or whatever it is but can also like build communities on a local level and on a global level 
it's been amazing you know we've all seen them you know the small sort of collectors that are popping up instagram sort of pages you know what you're doing as well you know spotlighting not just the fact that hey we're here we exist but actually you know telling the stories connecting with other people showing that it's not just a buzzword but like hey these women have existed this whole time it's just that now we're able to you know connect with one another and you know I guess the impact is just larger when there's more people involved so being able to connect with not just the London sort of female sneakerhead collectors but you know what's happening in Dubai and what's happening in Australia like all these sort of little pockets are really opening up and it's just it's been amazing to watch I think particularly over the last couple of years I've just seen the female sort of presence in sneakers grow massively and that's the thing it's like it's it's not grown in the sense that like they've just appeared out of nowhere it's just the connections you know they've always been there but you know you might have felt that there was only a handful of you in your town or your city or wherever you are but now you know the sort of I guess the community aspect that comes along with social media is really showing the fact that actually there are a lot of us out here and you know we can be a lot stronger with you know our presence and our messaging when we actually connect together absolutely it's it's a journey to say the least it is but it's, it's so nice <laughs> yes it's so great to see um and it's great to see you know that a lot of it's not limited to just women and you know there are a lot of um, men as well that are championing um these you know female-led collectives and communities and saying you know hey like shout out to these guys it's nice to see that I, there should be more of that for sure but um you know it's it's kind of nice that um you know women and their allies are you know picking up the female scene yeah I, I funnily enough you say that a friend of mine reached out to me this morning while he was getting ready to take his daughter to nursery and he's like I didn't realize this was you and I'm like yeah it's me and he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna share and let the people know later on today I was like thank you so yeah there, right. there are those men that are out there that will, are willing to support you with what you're doing and you know exactly get experiences so yeah <laughs> Let's keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. I think, like I said, it's just more of them should do that. Um, but it's great that, you know, there are some people out there that are doing the right thing. Yes. So now this goes on to my next point. Do you feel that you can call yourself part of the sneaker community? And if so, in what capacity? I do. I think I can definitely confidently call myself a part of the community in terms of the capacity you know as a fan and observer and reporter of the culture um i think there's um there's always been gatekeeping when it comes to the sort of sneaker community um you know historically it's kind of if you don't know literally all the facts about everything you're you can't call yourself a sneakerhead or you can't be a fan you know um, I think that's changing, I guess, again, with social media, I think that has, you know, a lot to answer for when it comes to sort of changing, you know, the attitude, the old attitudes of gatekeeping. Um, so, you know, I, I would, I, well, I wouldn't call myself particularly a sneakerhead, because to me, that still feels like, like a real, like, expert level, like, I know literally everything about anything in sneakers. Um, I'm, I could, can't say that I'm that, but I, you know, I'm interested in sneakers, sneaker culture. I'm very passionate about, you know, how this one 
product in a way has had so much cultural significance over decades. Yeah. Um, so I can, I feel like I can say I'm part of the community, but you know, I'm not your go-to for <laughs> the reeling off like all the facts. Um, but that being said, you know, I think there's, that's the whole part of it. Like it's a community and it should be that, you know, you, whatever sort of level of interest you have in sneakers, like you should feel like you can call yourself a part of that community because, you know, that's the one sort of link that we all have is that like, we like sneakers, you know? Exactly. And again, what you do makes you an integral part of it because again, you're championing, you're keeping everybody abreast of what is happening. Yeah. Again, in a global crisis, the, the culture and community has been very interesting to watch over the past year. <laughs> um, and, I'm, and I'm still mind boggled about releases and pandemic and people don't think about actual life so that's my angle on how the past year has gone. I just, really? That, that's what, that's what my, my viewpoint on is. But yes, you are up there. Don't, don't discredit yourself. That's all I'm saying. So thanks. You know. Okay, so you also mentioned that you've got some exciting projects planned. Are you able to give us a cheeky little insight or what they might be? Or are you still can't? Sort of. I think I can I think I can tell you a little bit okay. I can't give away too much um but um I do have a like you said a very exciting product in the pipeline um very relevant to myself and what you do and I'm sure what a lot of the imprint sort of listeners and fans um are also interested in so I'm actually working on a book that is about women's sneaker culture and history that I'm doing with my friend Sana, who is at Girl on Kicks on Instagram. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm a writer, that's what I do. So why not write a book about the things I'm most interested in, which is sneaker culture and women. Um, so yeah, I can't give you too much on that right now, but um, yeah, I'm working with, you know, a lot of, uh, women who've been sort of involved in the sneaker industry in various aspects you know through from like you know the 90s through to now um and sort of charting what the female sort of contribution to the sneaker industry and the culture has been as well as you know how it's developed um and how women's products has developed over I guess the past 40 years so it's a big project but you know it's it's something that's really exciting and I think something that's very needed um in our space so I can't wait to share even more with you when I am able to. Oh, it's exciting. Just want to know, see, we've got to wait until it's out now. I'm just like, oh my God. Exactly. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Please do. Please do. This is what we need. So, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, that's made my day. Thank you. Oh, thanks. That's made my day hearing you say that it's like made your day. Yeah, because it's needed. You know, there's all these yeah. books out there. And again, the stories are not down and that's the point of being historians or what we're doing is that we are telling the message and the history and the stories of people that exist so exactly you know we've we've mentioned it here I guess you know women have always been a part of the industry they've always been a part of the culture they've just constantly been overlooked when it comes to being able to share you know the contributions that they've had um which is something we really want to change you know with this book you know, it shows that it's not a buzzword. It's not that, you know, 
women have suddenly stumbled across sneakers. It's we've been here for the past, you know, since the beginnings of sneaker culture, as we all know it. And um, it's time to, you know, finally tell those stories and show that, you know, we're not a buzzword. It's not a marketing ploy. Um, it's that we've always existed and just never had the same opportunities in spotlight, which is changing now. Yes. <laughs> okay, for people who are not watching this, I'm really excited and I'm just shaking my hands. <laughs> <You know. laughs> okay, so going back to that, we've got a few more questions and then I'll let you go. Um, what advice would you give to aspiring writers and creative consultants out there? Um, I think the biggest advice that I could probably give is, especially for writers, just read, read everything you can, like, you know, keep reading. The more you read, the better your writing will become. It's like magic. It's like the words you soak up, they go in here and like, they then come out of you. It's, it's so weird. I just feel like you can't be a, you know, a really strong writer unless you're a really avid reader. So keep reading. Um, and aside from that, I guess, you know, when it comes to, I guess, especially fashion, but it's definitely related to any industry when it comes to being kind of you know a writer in the in any sector it's important to remember there's a lot of people that do what you do there's a lot of people that you know would call themselves fashion writers that you know cover the same things that I cover what's really I guess like you know helped me carve out my own space and you know get the kind of opportunities that I've had is being able to really hone and develop your niche so you know it's I've I'm interested in fashion in sort of every level, but I don't feel like I can really cover it the same way at every level as I can when it comes to streetwear and sneaker culture, because like, that's what I'm most interested in. That's what I'm most knowledgeable about and most passionate about. And that's where I've ended up, you know, getting the most opportunities. Cause I guess that's what like, you know, excites you. So you want to work in it more, but also like when you're writing, people can really tell what you're passionate about, it really comes through. You know, if you read something I wrote on, I don't know, some something else in fashion and compare it to something I write, you know, on, on sneakers, I think even as a reader, it's quite evident when, you know, the writer is passionate about something. And I think finding your niche and really owning your niche is a great way to essentially, I guess, you know, put yourself out there and set yourself apart from all the other writers out there because there's a lot of people, but you want to be the person that, you know, people think of when they think, okay, I need someone that writes about women's streetwear, or I need someone that covers like women's sneakers, be that person that, you know, is carved out that career and really focused on that so that you're the first name that springs to mind. That's yeah, that is great advice. Guys, take note. And lastly, <laughs> tell us one fun fact about yourself. This is such a hard question and it's so difficult that um, I had to do, you know, what we all do and take it to the group chat before this, because I was like, guys, you know, I have to, I have no fun facts. I realized, you know, once you've asked me this, that like, am I, am I fun? I have no fun facts. Maybe I have just boring facts, um, but um, shout out to the group chat for um, giving me this one. I'm secretly like a karaoke beast and I once did karaoke for um, eight hours straight and didn't realize that it had been that long until we left to, um, it was in Berlin. So you had to like 
pay for hours and like cash at this place. Um, so we went to get more cash out to keep extending the karaoke fun and went outside and it was daylight. Um, so yeah, I, I love to karaoke. I can't wait to karaoke with my friends again when this is all over. Yeah. That's my secret fun fact. Well, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I know we've touched on about karaoke before in our conversations, but I didn't know it yes. that deep. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't be stopped. <laughs> so I thank you for sharing that. Nav, it's been a great <laughs> pleasure to have this conversation with you today. We look you too. Thank you for everything. having me. Thank you. We look forward to having everything in terms of the book and more of your work in the future. Absolutely. Stay tuned. Yes, we certainly will. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye.